Welcome back to the No Holds Barred Network with another episode of Under the Ropes. I'm your host as always, the EVP of Giggles, the heartbreak chick, the queen of the indies, Tiffany. And today I'm really excited because I feel like this was coming. I had to get the last member of the Rejects. We got Reed Bentley. How are you? Doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited for this interview. Yeah, it's been a while since I've done, uh, I've had a, a few podcasts and interviews and stuff scheduled uh, in like the last six to eight months. And, you know, obviously the world has been kind of crazy and I have missed basically all of them other than uh, struggles. So this is only like the second interview I've done in at least probably a year. Or two. Oh, good. I feel so honored then. I'm so excited <laughs> about it. So, <laughs> so we're going to have good. a, we're going to have a fun time. Um, guys, make sure you like and share. If you guys are first time here, here on the under the rope series, I sit, I, uh, interview everything independent wrestling whether it's promoters wrestlers referees backstage commentary everything independent wrestling i get it out there for you guys so if you have questions in the chat please drop them i'm sure reed will be very happy to answer all your questions and uh Most definitely. yeah so i guess uh we're gonna jump right into this interview so you ready to get started get this Let's party started all right so how did you come into professional wrestling um, I kind of backdoored my way into, uh, the professional wrestling business. I had always wanted to be a wrestler. And once I was out on my own, since I lived in the state of Kentucky, I couldn't really do anything until I turned 18. Um, so when I was 18, I got my Kentucky wrestling license, uh, found a place to basically pay for not really training, but access to a ring. Uh, I'd done martial arts for years, so I kind of already knew how to fall and not hurt myself. So bumping was like a, not a horribly weird transition. Um, and then just kind of started meeting people and going to any show I could, driving to anywhere that would let me either help set the ring up, wrestle, roll around before or after the show, pretty much anything I could, you know, typical kind of weaseling my way in, you know. <laughs> it's interesting even like as a fan that um I've had opportunities that I've got to go on before they let the fans in and see like wrestlers yeah. setting up the ring and wrestlers setting up chairs and all the things that are entailed. Uh Oh yeah. To, it like, was definitely uh, like I even would go to like Ring of Honor shows in the Midwest when I was in high school and um would like help set the ring up and stuff before the show. I was still paying for a ticket, you know, but mm -hmm. I would be like, Hey, can I like, you know, help set the ring up just so I would do a, could touch a wrestling ring, you know, or like learn how does it go together? Like literally anything like that. I was, uh, was there for, I would stay till like two in the morning after the show, like breaking down rings and stuff with like Hagedorn and Bobby Dempsey and all these guys, you know, like they were just like, you know, happy to be there kind of uh, and I was too you know so it was uh, that was like the first time I ever really got near a ring you know even before training or anything 
I gotta pay your dues as they yeah. as they say but it's got it's got to be like really cool to kind of even experience that like being a fan and even wanting like you said to touch the ring um oh yeah so that's that's gonna be like a cool experience and now here you are <laughs> and 11 years later 11 years later and you scared like the people like me like with all the death batches i mean i love it but I, I still get scared with some of the stuff that you guys do so kudos to you guys yeah yeah i mean that's that's the goal right yeah <laughs> okay so for a fan that's never seen you before what's a match that you would recommend them to watch of yours um I don't know. Uh, probably there was a match that John Wayne and I had against each other uh, for IWA Mid-South back in, I want to say, 2015. Uh, or no, 2016. I think it was Blood Feast 2016, the Thanksgiving show. Um, we had just a really wild match. We were in the middle of like a pretty heated program in IWA at that time. Uh, and it was one of my favorite matches of ours that we had. It was a, a no rope barbed wire fans bring the weapons and just everything in the ring, the death match stuff, the, the regular wrestling, the, uh, the build up to that match was really, uh, it's one of my favorite ones. Pretty much, uh, usually I go to anything that me and John have done wrestling each other or, uh, you know, some of our, our bigger tag matches. Those are usually the, the shining examples. Pretty much any tag match we've ever had in the arena in Clarksville, Indiana, is a perfect summation of who who I am as a wrestler. That's so great. Um, you've brought up, like, fans bringing weapons. Has there been anything, mm -hmm. like, really insane that somebody's brought that uh, you're like, what the oh, heck? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, like, I mean, things with, like, you know, legitimate railroad spikes or like giant, like five inch nails through it. The oh my. people have brought at one, their one carnage cup one year, I wasn't there. And, but someone brought, uh, like live snakes or scorpions oh or spiders God. or something in a box, like just real, it gets batshit. I, I tried to run <laughs> a show in Kentucky. Uh, uh, I was doing like a performance art, collective weird uh kind of like fringe interest you know a uh, little show at a bar here and there was going to be a no ring death match uh, we were promoting it for a little while um before the the state athletic commission uh unjustly shut us down but we were going to have a uh, a show right here in kentucky doing all that kind of crazy stuff um and there was a, on the flyer I even put uh, no guns, no knives. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, no guns, no knives, no cops was the, the tagline for the uh, for the flyer, pretty much. <laughs> because some places like rural shows, you know, in Alabama or like some of these, like you know, Kentucky is not by means not back. It is backwoods, you know. I'm not saying that it's not, but like you go to some really off the beaten path kind of places down south, and people are, you know, they're carrying weapons on them at all time anyway right, right, before right. Be before they're coming to a wrestling show before they know it's uh fans bring the weapons match you know they've got something on them already you know uh, one place even advertised like no explosives you know like oh someone was God. gonna bring i don't know what they thought someone was gonna bring to a fans bring the weapons match but oh my there's God. definitely been some some wild wild stuff that's crazy that you have to actually write that in the flyer Specific, that's the, oh, right yeah, <laughs> 
that's it's humanity in general at this point you know you kind of have to spoon spoon feed everybody everything (laughs) wow that's wow (laughs) (laughs) i'm like blown away because it's funny i never really like asked that until like you said that to anybody so it's really interesting to like hear that but it's kind of scary too right it's kind of like manners and common sense at a wrestling show you wouldn't think that you would have to put out anything about uh how someone should behave when they're at a wrestling show but Sometimes you see people have to do it because yeah. uh, the same reason why uh, the McDonald's lady was able to sue for her hot coffee, I guess, you know, if, if, <laughs> if it's not written down, I I guess you have an argument. You know? I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> um, so I have an early fan tweet here from our friend Metal. He's got three questions for you. He's a big fan. Okay. Uh, so his first one is, what moment in wrestling history or in your personal life got you interested in becoming a professional wrestler? Um, I don't – I wouldn't say that there was any, like – one match or one moment but i know the moment when i realized i wanted to be a wrestler was in eighth grade um it was like math class you know it was pre-calculus or algebra or so you know whatever it was that i was taking in eighth grade and we were doing like an icebreaker thing of everybody get to know each other um and we were doing these note card things where you had several questions to answer you wrote your answers down on the note cards you passed them in um and the teacher would just read them off, you know, like, okay, this person says they would blah, blah, blah. Uh, one of the questions was, what do you want to do with your life? Not what job do you want to have when you grow up? Where do you want to go to college? What do you want to do uh, with your life? And when I heard the question phrased to me in that way, the only thing I could think of was I really want to be a professional wrestler. It wasn't just like, you know, a pipe dream or something you say, like, oh, I want to be a wrestler when I grow up. You know, like, I really like wrestling. Right. It was really something where I wasn't just like, I was truly obsessed, like to the point of, you know, a, a legitimate obsession. You know, it right. was something I had to do, something I had to, and especially like that day, for example, in eighth grade, you know, the teacher's reading them off and she says, uh, this person wants to be a professional wrestler, you know, and the whole room like erupts in laughter, you know, like Aww. what an absurd thing, you know, for someone to want to be right. You know, um, it, and it was so it was, I definitely had a chip on my shoulder when I started of like um, doing it for myself, but also to definitely prove a point to, right. you know, uh, just like anybody, you know, anybody who's ever been told that they couldn't do something, wouldn't do something when you have that little bit of spiteful, uh, you know. Uh, spiteful fuel in you to do something it kind of pushes you a little bit right. more than uh than the average person kids can be cruel sometimes <laughs> yeah really yeah but here you are and now you can kind of like stick your like tongue I, out I, at I them like say, I, I can't really say anything. it's stupid <laughs> wrestling is really dumb like it's it's <laughs> ignorant so i mean like they were right to laugh right. um but you know yeah it's professional wrestling is ridiculous it's yeah the dumbest it's the dumbest thing ever <laughs> I feel like a lot of people say that, that they come on here and say that. It it really is. Like when you're, you're self-aware of it and you're like, but I'm in it now. Right. You know, like I'm doing it. I would, I can't throw the last 11 years of my life away now. I got to just keep doing it and make the best of it. Right. 
Alex Colon yeah. actually has come on and talked about things like that too. So <laughs> yeah. that's been fun. Uh, it's yeah. so funny to hear like everybody's thoughts with it, especially with deathmatch wrestling. So um, yeah, it's definitely different. <laughs> it is, and, and this is why we love it, and this is why we talk about it here. <laughs> so Metal's next question is: Which Japanese superstar would you like to face, and and what kind of match would it be? Um. Well, I'm a huge, huge fan of uh, Misawa. Um, but honestly, I, I think if I had to pick one uh, one Japanese talent, it would probably be Dick Togo, like of all time, is, is who I would love to, to be able to have a, a one-on-one match with. Mm. And what kind of match do you th- would it be? Just a, regu- just just a, a regular, regular death match? Yeah just, okay. a, just a, yeah, just a regular old pro wrestling match you know we can get crazy if if dick so desires you know? <laughs> um and his last question which actually i was gonna ask you about this so i'm glad that he brought this up who came up with the rejects tri- trio and why the name the rejects uh so originally myself and john wayne were tagging at iwa and several other places our name was originally the tryout show rejects because we uh, had both done tryout shows for IWA Mid-South. Um, he had done one in like 2008, I think, like the first one or one of the first two that they did. Um, and I had done one a couple of years later, 2010, and we had both not been brought back um, immediately after our performances. They, they were not uh, winning performances on the tryout show, you know. Um, so, And there was a guy... Uh, in the central Illinois area who would like report on wrestling and like go to shows and stuff. His name's crime fighter. Um, he had called me a tryout show reject Reed Bentley here with, uh, not that great of a match, something along those lines, like, uh, burying me in a review of a show in Illinois. Um, and the fact that he tryout show reject Reed Bentley always really stuck with me. And then, once John came back to IWA and we started tagging and we made that connection, we realized like, man, we both did tryout shows different years, but um, both kind of had a a rocky start into uh, IWA itself. And we both had our first death match, uh, first real death match at uh, King of the death 2011. Um, So we we were like, man, we were kind of, uh, cosmically linked whether we realized it or not so we thought tryout show rejects was a great name and when we started going other places obviously they didn't really care about the tryout show connection to it so we dropped that part and just became uh, the rejects because it was simple and uh, easy to remember oh, I love it I love it this is great yeah. um, what's the best and worst part of death matches the best part of death matches is the moment when you really, really are starting to gush and you kind of get a, a boost of adrenaline, um, you know, and your blood's pumping and it's squirting and you're sweating and you're just kind of, you know, in the moment, you kind of lose yourself in like the euphoria of, uh, of like violence, you know, and, and bloodshed, you know, it sounds like stereotypical, but it really is. You kind of hit this like, uh, like living Nirvana, you know, of, of like you're, you're on a roll, you're feeling it, you know, just like anything, just like any match, you know, same thing kind of goes for any wrestling match. But, 
with a death match, you know, or the moment that first tube cracks for a lot of people is, is, you know, for me, it's when things are just really rocking and rolling and you're in the thick of it, you know, covered in your blood or somebody else's blood. And you're just wide eyed, kind of staring at the crowd, taking it all in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Guys are crazy. <laughs> Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> I know Orange said that his the worst part was the shower after. Oh yeah, yeah. The worst part is one hundred percent the ride home. Um, you know, flying back home is great, but that's not always an option uh, for us, depending on what show we're doing and where we're going. So if it's a uh, a show where you got to drive back home, it's yeah, it's miserable um, oh, because you know everything starts to tighten up and no like shower at a venue like one out of every hundred venues i've ever been to that yeah. has a shower has a good shower um and same thing like most of the people that you find yourself associated with in wrestling when they're like hey you want to come back to my house and take a shower and then you get back to their house and you're like i don't want to take my shoes off in your house i definitely don't yeah. want to shower here um so you know you're driving home like sore and stiff and, and covered in wounds that are not quite closed up. So, which on the convex, you know, like when you do get home finally, um, and take that shower, it's like bittersweet because you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get cleaned up. I'm going to be somewhat back to normal here soon. Oh, you guys are crazy. <laughs> oh my God. I know, uh, Brandon Kirk and Casey and Paro at the no peace underground show. Mm -hmm. She told me that they were like, crossing the street to go shower and they're like walking yeah, yeah. around in blood and that people were like looking at them like they were, they were weird yeah that's that's one of the, the fun parts always too is i've never been a person to walk around any longer than i need to um covered in dried blood but when you do have those moments where you come in contact with the general public before you get cleaned up is i've always wanted to know what those people think <laughs> It must, it must be, so you never had that, and then somebody come up to you, like, why are you covered in blood, or, like, is this, like, odd? Like, of course, like, yeah, you would know. Yeah, um, a couple of times, yeah, we've had, like, did you guys just get into a fight, you know, or something like that? A lot of times, wrestlers, I feel like, when we're in groups, I've gotten the, are you guys in a band, a lot. <laughs> um, that was a common thing, you know, like, I guess it's just, like, a group of, like, you know, three, four, five people who are like unconventionally dressed. And, you know, I guess wrestlers are just kind of, we seem eccentric even when we're not at wrestling shows. So people usually think we're something, you know, yeah. if we're in a band or we're pro wrestlers or whatever <laughs> it is. But, but I would just love to be able to like ask one of those people, you know, be on the other side of it and just see their, like, what do they really think is going on in there? How many times have the cops been called on us when we leave a gas station? Oh, no. Um, when we, like, all walk out covered in blood, you know? Oh, no. I can't even. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but even, like, a band? Like, I'm trying to, well, I guess I've been going to the wrong bands, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Good Cop, Bad Cop Wrestling Podcast is in the chat. He says, sorry, Tiff. Best they can do this week. LOL. Okay, so he likes to do his anagrams with every wrestler that okay. comes on the podcast. So mm -hmm. just get ready. <laughs> he said, with Reed Bentley being an anagram of Bleed New York Reed, he goes, what's the most you have bled in a New York wrestling match? Um, I have actually never wrestled in the state of New York. Uh, I have wrestled in Jersey countless times. I've been able to spit and hit New York, uh, 
but never actually wrestled in uh, New York proper or in New York City. So, oh wow, uh, yeah. See, that's interesting. And I'm from New York, but I know there's <laughs> right. certain rules here, good cop, bad cop, that uh, you can't have those kind of matches here in New York. That's why everybody goes to Jersey. And that's why you see yeah. I go to Jersey all the time because death matches really aren't supposed to be going down here in New York. So, yeah, yeah. It's uh, depending on, I mean, some athletic commissions are like actually great at what they do, you know, and, and really do serve some kind of a purpose. But other places like Kentucky, especially, you know, it, it serves no purpose other than uh, just people who have been uh, associated with the wrestling business for decades. It allows them to, like, keep their fingers in it and, like, have control over what goes on. Uh, a bunch of people who have, like, you know, never taken a bump um, mm-hmm. deciding whether or not uh, what we do is, like, should be regulated, you know, and they don't do anything that actually um, – actually like does anything for the health and safety of the wrestlers you know they're more worried about drug tests and like popping someone and finding them for you know having weed in their system rather than doing a blood test or like making sure is this person is joe bob wrestling down at the trailer park on thursday night in middle of nowhere kentucky is he even physically fit to be in a ring is he competent at what he does like all they care about is whether or not you paid your 50 dollars and got your little piece of plastic that has a number on it mm-hmm. um so yeah the, the boxing and wrestling commission in kentucky is is definitely a joke and definitely inhibits um like the growth of, of this area you know you have a couple of shining lights through all that like larry d um runs primetime wrestling in uh, in paris um, in georgetown he runs different cities but he he's got a really great family-friendly show and he definitely makes the best of it he is he is not in the majority though. He is the anomaly. You know, most places are really uh, inhibited, at least like what we would like to do. Um, like the kind of show that me and John would like to run if we could, you know, can't really happen uh, in Kentucky, unfortunately. But, um, you know, I think the same can be said for New York. Yeah. There's a lot of things. Even I think in New York, uh, you can train uh under the age of 18 but you can't be yeah. in an actual match uh yeah, you're 18. yeah so each state's different uh i know this is a big yeah. surprise a good cop bad cop because uh, he doesn't live in the states uh, uh okay. so that's one of the things about the states over here that's very different so he said that we taught him a lot <laughs> with this question <laughs> so this is why we do these interviews so you find yeah. out a lot of interesting uh, uh facts that you might not know um yeah. So we have another fan tweet from MGB Mason. He said the MGB team was first familiar with your work through reviews of early Nova Pro events we reviewed retroactively. Do you have a favorite Nova Pro match? Uh, There was a random match where uh, me and Mance Warner tagged against, I think it was the Sandwich Squad, uh, Mecca and Aaron Biggs. Um, And at one point, um, my bare foot ended up in Mance's mouth and, uh, they kicked my legs out from under me and I gave Mance, uh, a soul food with my bare foot in his mouth. Um, so that was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever done. So that was definitely, that's up. That's probably my most notable memory from there. <laughs> that's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> um, all right. 
So we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the Deep South Destroyer with Akira okay. and John Wayne Murdoch. They, uh, you threw Nolan Edward into the fire table. But before yep. we talk about this, I got permission, guys, from uh, Wrestling with Unicorns, Martin. He's been on the podcast as well. If you guys saw that interview, if you haven't, go back on the No Holds Barred Network. Uh, he does a lot of the videos that you see posted on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that great stuff. Great guy. Uh, so he allowed me to share this great clip with fella. you guys great yeah guy. he's he's the best i love him thank you again and good thank him a million times because i always like to ask um so if you guys are listening to this on audio please go back to the youtube version or the facebook or the twitch or periscope whatever version you like to see this video i'm sure i'll post it on the no holds bar network twitter as well but uh if you didn't see what i'm about to talk about here we go <laughs> That is crazy. <laughs> wow. I love it. Like, I must have watched this about, like, a bunch of times yesterday when he sent it to me. <laughs> Just another day at the office. Just another us, day you know? at the office. <laughs> yeah. So how uh, did you come up with this? Uh, I mean, now you're doing fire, too. Like, just a lot with the whole collective. Right. So, uh, Well, John has been doing the canadian destroyer for you know like uh over a decade at this point you know um he is uh, he was probably the first guy to do it other than pd williams um you know he saw pd do it at one point i think he's from tennessee you know and he would go to like tna tapings and stuff uh, and like as soon as he saw it you know he's been doing it on shows that he was on since he was you know god knows how old um, and we really just thought the it's an awesome move. It still gets a great reaction. People love it, um, even if it is uh, certain versions of it are a little overused maybe at certain points, but what isn't in wrestling? Um, we decided to just really kind of make it a little more uh, intense, throw me under there for the, the power bomb assist into it, you know, to throw him through with a, a little more oomph. Um, and then once Akira was added to the group, uh, you know, begrudgingly, I will add, added to the group. Um, uh, <laughs> we had to figure out a way to, to get him involved. So I, I let him steal some of my thunder, you know, and, and help throw John's big ass over for, uh, the, the Canadian. And we just decided if we were going to throw anybody through a table that was on fire, it was definitely going to be no one. So. <laughs> uh, it was funny when we and Martin were talking about this spot yesterday, he was like that Nolan asked him, he goes, you got the spot, right? You got the footage of the spot, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was uh yeah yeah that was it was very fun we were the was the last show of the collective that day so it was um it was a good way to end things i think yeah. good way to to end the day in the shows yeah i remember it was late i didn't get to watch it so i made <laughs> yeah. sure that like i watched the, the next day but i really wanted to see your match the most so i think i started with that the ending because that's really what i wanted to watch the most out of that whole that whole show and i was like oh my right. goodness <laughs> like it's 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 a lot i've you know messing with with all the fire brandon kirk at icw mm -hmm. got thrown into uh fire and i was like oh my goodness and then to actually see like the burn after oh, yeah. like ow like yeah like that's what a lot of people seem to take for granted you know is because the word fake was thrown around so long for so many years and mainstream wrestling 
to the outsider, you know, has always seemed kind of cartoony, you know, right. so someone is always looking to like, uh, you know, devalue whatever it is you do or whatever, anything they see, everyone's looking to shit on something, you know, or oh, find yeah. some way that it isn't as cool as everyone makes it out to be. But, you know, 95% of what we're doing is, is very painful and there's always, you know, an after effect to it, even mm. the simplest things, you know, right. so it's, um, especially when you look at death matches or hardcore wrestling or anything um, where just the ring itself, you know, you can, some of the gro- most gruesome injuries I've ever seen have just been from parts of the ring itself, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like Parnell ripping his mouth open on a turnbuckle, you know I mean? They're just the things that are already attached to the ring right. um, can hurt you very badly without interact or without interjecting, you know, weapons and, and, uh, you know, extra bravado. Yeah. I mean, I, I always tell everybody, like, I mean, I could never get in the ring and do it. So it's like, I appreciate that, you know, everything you guys do for us. And yeah, okay, fine. It's yeah. fake. Like, the storyline and, like, uh, you know, you guys are trained on how to do this. But, you right. know, the injuries and the stuff you do aren't fake. And you guys get really hurt. And oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's a lot. Uh, but I appreciate you. <laughs> so like we appreciate we appreciate your appreciation. I always say that we literally can't do what we do, you know, without the fans. What even if we're in an empty arena and right. wrestling in front of no fans, at the end of the day, it's a product that's going out to someone somewhere to the viewer. So you know, it's um, wrestling matches may sometimes be masturbatory for the people in them, you know. But at the end of the day, they're always you're serving the the higher purpose of the crowd you know the the fans you know at yeah. the end of the day yeah i love it i love it it's it's fun and then the interaction that i have it uh it was a what i think it was the stand standalone show that i talked about it with john mm-hmm. that he threw akira into me <laughs> like at one of the shows yeah. and then i have like like yeah. the fake barbed wire like or whatever the <laughs> chains like i actually have it in a little memorabilia piece i was like okay like yeah. this is like a moment john talked about it he goes those are the moments he goes you got a really cool story he's like to talk right. about with it so uh, I love I love that I love being front row at all these shows yeah. and interacting with you guys. It's it's a great thing. Um, it's been the hardest part about COVID for us, 100%. Because wrestling itself, you know, indie wrestling kind of kind of hit a high in 2020. You right. know, like people really, you saw how adaptable a lot of people in wrestling are, and uh, a lot of people, you know, all the boys and girls and non-binaries have really made. Uh, you know, the most of the situation, like wrestling is kind of, in my opinion, more booming from my perspective than it was, you know, the year before. So, but the hardest part about all of that is the the lack of, or the lesser fan interaction, you know, there's for a long time, there wasn't a match that uh, me and John had where we didn't go pull people out of the crowd and pick them up and, and use them as battering rams to, right. to hit our opponents. You know I mean? That's like <laughs> one of our favorite things in the world to do. You know, it's like our, uh, you know, Bret Hart putting the sunglasses on the kid, you know, right. like that's our, our thing, you know, is like, who wants to, who wants to kick this dude in the face? You know, like who wants <laughs> us to pick him up and, and throw him into this guy, you know, that's, we love that, you yeah. know, all the interaction fighting in the crowd, there's been plenty of times where I would never even hit the ring in a match that I had, you know, like, uh, you know, we love fighting out in the people and 
uh, using them, like you said, throwing people in people's laps. <laughs> and, you know, like, like you said, we just really want to give somebody uh, something to talk about when right. they go home. You know, anybody can watch Tackle, tackle Arm Drag, you know, Leapfrog. Oh. You know, go fuck yourself. Like anybody can, <laughs> yeah. anybody can watch that. You know, right. not that there's anything wrong with that, but you can only see that so many times on a show before you get bored. So right. we really kind of always prided ourselves of being the, the one thing that was going to hopefully be different, or even on a deathmatch show where everybody else is doing what we're doing, right. going to be different and enough in some way that people uh, remember it when they go home and talk about it, and hopefully look back on it. Uh, somewhat fondly at the very least you know oh that's why I always tell people like independent wrestling is so much different than watching mainstream because it's got that intimacy I feel like that you get to interact with the wrestlers or referees or managers like I'm out there I'm arguing with managers for the hell of it you know just for the (laughs) fun of it like I hate that's what it's supposed to be you know why would you pay for a ticket to just come to a show and sit on your hands you know right some people are less outgoing than others, of course, but, you know, I've never understood people seemingly being miserable at a show that they paid to be at, you know? Yeah, no, I, I def- I, I've had that where uh, we've had Lucky 13 on, and there mm-hmm. was a guy that was sitting by us, and he fell asleep, and Lucky 13 was trying everything to try to get him up, screaming into his face and stuff. He got the camera to record of. It was one of the oh, most yeah. funniest moments. I've, I've had those moments, <laughs> it's like rude but i don't know how you fall asleep during wrestling (laughs) like i don't understand it and like you said i i get some people aren't going to be as loud um me i purposely be loud and interact (laughs) because it's it makes it more entertaining for me so it's already entertaining but how much more entertaining is it going to be if i'm going to start heckling a heel or (laughs) something you know it just it just makes it more entertaining and again this is why i preach independent wrestling it's it's great um let's talk about icw i love icw it's one of my favorite promotions around we've had danny demonto on um i've had sorry uh, to hear that Okay, let's just unclick that episode. <laughs> I didn't really have it, guys. No. <laughs> that was a fun episode, guys. Go check that episode out, too. So you've had a lot of matches. Uh, we got ICW going on this weekend, too. Uh, mm-hmm. But you've had matches with Atticus. You've had Oren, Eric Ryan. Is there someone that you haven't faced yet that you would love to face at ICW? Um, well, I'm, I'm pretty excited for this weekend, um, because I've, I've never wrestled Schlack one-on-one. So that is a first time match that'll be happening in Florida. Um, you know, that's, uh, one of the few people that I've never wrestled one-on-one, um, out of anybody left, uh, in ICW that I've not wrestled yet. I would love to wrestle, uh, Nolan one-on-one there for sure. Um, and I would like to, uh, I would like to wrestle Dan Moff for sure. Uh, Moff is somebody who I, uh, you know, was a fan of growing up. I always say in interviews and stuff, I was a fan of, I was a, I'm an independent wrestler who grew up on independent wrestling. So Moff was a guy who, um, you know, homicide, all these guys that I'm lucky enough um, are, are guys that I, I looked up to, you know, guys that I paid for DVDs and paid for tapes that they were on. Uh, and crushing it, you know, 20 years ago, and they're still here and they're still doing it, you know. So um, 
definitely two of the two of the ones I'm more excited for, especially after I watched Moff and right. Nolan wrestle each other in Pit Fighter. Uh, definitely made me want to have both of those individual matches even more, you know. Yeah. Guys, definitely Pit Fighters on Friday and No Holds Barred 10 is on this Saturday. So make sure you guys go check that out. If you haven't watched ICW, you should be watching ICW. So um, we're going to talk a little bit more about ICW, but let me read this uh, in the chat. Uh, I apologize if I see your last name wrong. So I'm really sorry, bad with last names or, or certain names. This is Will Doshan. The night we met you guys fighting outside of FIP was the wildest match I've ever refed. Hope you guys are well. Thoughts on how the dry ice match with Marcus came about, and did they come to you with the stip? Um, so yeah, hey, Will, how you doing, man? Uh, that was a very wild match. Me and John wrestled the hooligans about a million times, um, hooligans and the Viking War Party, and uh, FIP was one of the places we did it. That's another, th you know, brawling out in the street, shutting, literally shutting down traffic, things like that. You know, like you can. Only a handful of people, you know, can say that they've done things like that in their life. So that's why those moments for me always stick out. Um, and as far as uh, what was the second part of his question? Uh, did they come to you with the stip? Oh, yeah. The, the dry ice. Yeah. The um, so Marcus actually hit me up because um, this was early game changer um, and he wanted to do something. We both we knew we were wrestling each other and we knew that if we're going to fight each other and we're going to maim each other, we wanted to do it. Um you know, under our own terms. And we wanted to do something different. We wanted to do something that either hadn't been done in America, had never been done. Um, and I believe Marcus was talking to Robles um, and uh, Robles, I think had suggested dry ice and box fans. I, I think that oh was like a match that had, had happened in Japan at one point, those two steps put together um, the uh, like open metal, uh, open metal fans and dry ice and it, dry ice had never been done in America at that point. Um, and I guess, you know, Marcus was, he hit me up and was like, so, you know, what do you think? And I said, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, let's do it. It sounds great. You know, it's, it's awesome. You know, it's, uh, never been done here. Let's make history, you know, let's be the first to do it. Um, and then he tells me shortly after that, that it had taken him like a week of Robles trying to convince him, um, to do the match for him to even hit me up and then he hits me up and I'm in in 10 seconds like yeah sure let's do it it sounds uh, yeah you know nice. uh, so that that's what always sticks out for me about about the dry ice match and the fact that it was you know it was very different because it, it's a really weird element you know you're working with some it's kind of like fire you know it's something you can't necessarily control it's chemical it does its own thing I have chemical burns on the back of my oh, hands man. from it you know things like that they're different kind of scars it's a different um a different thing to work with you have to be you know extra careful with your methodical violence when you're dealing with something like that Oof. goodness 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 Oof. so with that being said how are you preparing for this weekend with schlack and uh Oh, Atticus. Well, I mean, you've already um, faced Atticus already, so you already kind of like know what that's entailed. But like you said, you've, this, you've yeah. never faced Schlack before. So how do you prepare? Um, I I think that uh, there is not really much of a way to prepare for Schlack. Schlack is like a, a walking car wreck. He's like a walking tin car pileup. So it's something that you kind of just fall ass backwards into and you make the best of it. You know, um, I've, I've wrestled a lot of people in ICW so far. I've had a lot of fights and I'm undefeated at this point for a reason, you know? So, um, 
I don't see Schlack being the guy to end it. And I definitely know that Atticus is not going to be the guy to do it. I've beat him twice already. Take nothing away from Atticus. Uh, you know, objectively, my best matches in ICW have been uh, against Atticus. Uh, my craziest matches, again, objectively, have been with him. Uh, but there's no way that I'm walking out Saturday without my winning streak intact. He'll be laying on the mat. I'll go grab the mic like I always do for my typical Reed Bentley post-match promo um, that no one wants to hear, but they always have to. And it's going to be business as usual for me. And maybe after three times of getting his ass beat, he'll learn something. <laughs> oh, man. Fight words. <laughs> I love it. David Russell's in the chat. He said, hey, Tiff, and your guest, my friend, Reed Bentley. I love Dave. I'm, I'm, <laughs> he's great. <laughs> Okay, so we have another fan tweet from Good Cop, Bad Cop. He said, well, he said, or he wrote this before his his uh, post in the chat. He said, I can't think of an anagram of Reed Bentley. He goes, but what wrestling biography or autobiography would you recommend we read? <laughs> um, the uh, Mick Foley's first book, Have a Nice Day, is like my, my gold standard for a wrestling autobiography. Uh, like some of the greatest, some of the best road stories are really good, uh, not impartial, but a pretty straightforward retelling of uh, not just his side of events, but just how things went, how his career went, what locker rooms were like then. And I, I think that it's probably the best example of a, a wrestling autobiography and definitely set the standard for a lot of people who have either written their own books or had assistance writing biographies and, uh, and things like that about the wrestling business. It definitely, he's such a talented guy. Um, and I think anybody who's never read that should 100% read it because it's, um, uh, it's got just some of the funniest stories, some of the best stories, whether you're in or out of the wrestling business, if you like wrestling at all, it's, um, you can find something relatable in it, but especially if you're in the business, it's, uh, it's one of the ones you definitely need to read, in, in my opinion. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you brought up road trips. So give us what are your best ones or one of your most embarrassing ones that we can make fun of Akira and John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Akira and John both have the thing in common that they love to sleep a lot on road trips. Um, John will sometimes go to sleep in the front seat of whatever car we're in. Uh, and not wake up until we arrive 12 hours later, wherever it is we're driving. He, I've never seen someone who can sleep like he sleeps. It's his second calling, you know, other than wrestling, is sleeping, especially in a moving vehicle. Um, but I'm trying to think of a really good, one of the funniest stories ever was um, when I was pretty young in my career traveling with uh, some School of Rock people. Uh, at the time, we were going out for a uh, for a Chikara eye pay per view. Uh, we were going out to do some uh, um, like photo shoots and film some promos and things and do extra work on the pay per view because the Wrestling Is Network was a thing at the time. Um, so we were like getting promos and different things in the can for all the little Wrestling Is boat or Wrestling Is whatever shows. Um, and we were in a we stopped in like a Wawa or somewhere in the middle of like rural Pennsylvania, somewhere that none of us had ever wrestled at that point in our life. And some old man came up to us and was like, 
you guys are wrestlers, aren't you? And, uh, and it was just mind blowing because he 100% did not know who we were. Um, had no idea that, you know, she should have had no idea we were professional wrestlers. And again, very off the beaten path, like hours from the nearest city that any of us had ever wrestled in at that point in our careers. Um, so that one is a funny one. I like to think back on, I still have no idea how that guy knew us or <laughs> how he like had the sixth sense that we were pro wrestlers and not in a band. I, I don't know. It was, it was very weird. <laughs> That's fun. That's fun. Uh, best road trip snack. Uh, Mingi brothers, beef jerky. Mingi brothers is like, uh, is a company from here in Kentucky. Uh, I actually went to school with the, owner's nephew um it's like it's the best beef jerky i had a some of my buddies that i used to wrestle with in illinois i would always bring it with me uh, when i was going out there to wrestle because it wasn't something i could get out there it was like a local flair you know kind of like uh we have l8 in kentucky it's like our uh, the kentucky soda you know like cheer wine in the carolinas and like different things that you have regionally you know so um, Mingi Brothers beef jerky is definitely the perfect beef jerky and perfect for road trips. Oh, okay. Check it out, guys. <laughs> um, so obviously you've been in so many different matches, obviously singles, ladder, death match, all that fun stuff. Is there a type of match that you haven't been in yet that is on your bucket list? I have, uh, been trying to have an explosions match either exploding oh. no rope barbed wire exploding ring exploding corner posts whatever uh, for years like ever since i started actively or more actively doing death matches uh, i've wanted someone to to book something like that mm. uh, it was almost booked at, at one point for me and john in a tag match um, and it fell through John was supposed to do explosions. Actually, the first time we went to Mexico, when we went to Zona 23, there was supposed to be uh, him and Leviathan, the guy who was the Zona 23 champ. They were supposed to have an explosions match, um, and something fell through. The the guy never showed up, didn't come, was oh, wow. never actually coming. I don't know, but um, it uh, that's definitely been the elusive one. You know, finding someone who can do it in America and do it right is hard enough as is. That's definitely something that is like a trade secret, still very well kept in Japan, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Damn it, Danny, get on this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Be different to see. I'm all for it. Like, let's go take my money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I ask everybody this question that comes on here. What's the craziest thing a fan's done to get your attention? Oh, um, well, I did at one point have um, a stalker via Tumblr. Um, this person was uh, like a fan at a show in Iowa that I would go and wrestle at um, SCW for uh, Merrick Brave uh, at the time. I, I was going out there, and she was uh, very, very, I guess, uh, you know, like nervous to talk to the wrestlers and things, and she had an enormous crush on me, uh, that bordered on, uh, getting a little creepy, uh, you know, and I had found somehow through being tagged or my name being in it and me vanity searching or something along those lines, or someone brought it to my attention that she had this, uh, like burner Tumblr mm -hmm. account where she was like posting about me and about wrestling and things. And, um, 
she had came to introduce herself to me at the merch table one time and uh, like kind of like stumbled over her words or whatever. And I guess she was embarrassed. And the post that she made on her Tumblr that night when she went home was, I've done it again. I've embarrassed myself in front of Reed Bentley, oh, which for wow. the longest time was uh, like a running joke in our friend, our, our like circle of friends. Is, oh God, I've embarrassed myself in front of Reed Bentley again, which if anyone really knows me, is impossible to do. You're not, you can't embarrass yourself in front of me. I, I, I don't give a shit, you know, <laughs> like, at all. I love it. Um, do you have any pre-match rituals? Um, I usually take a healthy bowel movement before pretty much every match, <laughs> like almost without fail. Um, almost without fail. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> um what, i'm trying to think, do i do anything else? uh yeah that's yeah that's pretty much it yeah that's pretty much it okay well that that tops every time i've asked that question <laughs> definitely yeah <laughs> oh man um what else do we got um so what do you want your legacy to be uh, I just would like to have a legacy period. Mm -hmm. Uh, at one point I had taken a little sabbatical from wrestling for like six, eight months, um, 10 months, something like that. Um, uh, was dealing with some things in my personal life and just wrestling wasn't really the best environment for me to be in at the moment. I kind of had to get uh, real life in order to fake wrestle as I like to say. Um, and, uh, it was, I'm sorry. What was your question again? I'm losing my mind here. What, what, you said? What, did, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, and I would just tell people that I wrestling is just a thing I no longer do. I wouldn't say that I was retired or that I had quit wrestling. I just said wrestling is a thing I no longer do because you have to have a career to be able to retire. Um, and I don't, I don't feel that as of yet I have done that. So uh, I'm just going to keep telling myself that and convince myself that I need to keep going for a few more years and a few more years and a few more years until finally, hopefully, I have done enough things that you could say that's a career, that's a legacy. So I, I don't care what it is. I just like to have one in general, you know. All right. All right. Uh, David wrote in the chat, John sleeps too much. We know Reed. <laughs> that's <laughs> yes, very true i yeah. love it um i have one final question but if any of you guys have any questions in the chat drop them um so uh to all inspiring and amateur wrestlers out there what's a piece of advice that you would give them uh don't do it <laughs> okay now uh, i feel like i'm talking to alex cologne now don't do it <laughs> yeah i uh I have given many people that advice and most of them have not listened, but neither did I. I uh, was at a ring of honor show when I was in high school. I was, um, it was like my senior year of high school. I'd already been accepted into um, the college that I was going to end up going to, to the university of Louisville. And uh, I met Brian Danielson. He was doing a signing because he was like, uh, I want to say it was the, uh, the final countdown tour. He was like on his way to WWE for that first run. Uh, and just kind of did the typical thing that you do when you meet someone who you're a huge fan of. I was like, I'm sure you hear this all the time, but like, you know, I, I really, really respect you, admire you. I'm, I'm going to be a professional wrestler and you are one of the reasons, you know, like you are one of the reasons why I am going to do this. Um, he's like, how old are you? You know, I told him I'm 18 
going to college, blah, blah, blah. And, and the first thing he said was just finish college, man. You know, he's like, no matter what you do, no matter, you know, if you become the most famous wrestler ever, or you never do it, you know, just finish college first, uh, you know, have something to fall back on. Like anybody would tell anybody, like a parent would tell you or anyone. And, um, uh, I did not listen to him. Of course, I, I dropped out of college and uh, gave up a full ride scholarship to pursue professional wrestling full time. So, um, nobody ever listens to that advice, but, um, that, that would be my advice is don't do it. And <laughs> if you're going to do it, uh, reconsider it and then don't do it. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> There's oh, enough no. of us as is it's, it's crowded. Okay. We need more people in the seats, less people backstage is what I need. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, Mark's in the chat. He goes, will we ever get more of Reed and Mansur rebooking 2001 WCW? <laughs> I, I, we, me and Mance talk about it every time we see each other. Um, uh, I would love that. That was one of the most fun, um, uh, things I've ever filmed was me and Mance and, uh, Alley Cat was there as well because we, they filmed both those in, in one night. So she was just slightly off screen as me and Mance are filming. And then, uh, she tagged in and did one with Mance where I had a little cameo, um, stuff like that is always the best when you're doing it, like with your buddies, like with people you like, you know? Um, so I would, I would love to do that. I would rebook any show, anytime with Mance. I love it. I love it. He's, he's great. We gotta get him on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> he's great. Uh, raise it the chat. He's looking for <laughs> light tubes, I guess. No, I'm kidding. He goes, love your take on this all in respect your story, brother, as someone still young in the business have to ask maybe down the line, could we square off? <laughs> of course, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll wrestle anybody. I've, I uh, never turned a booking down, you know, because of who I was wrestling. I, I've definitely turned some bookings down, but I'll wrestle anybody. Can you hit him in a light tube for me? That'd be great. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> I'll hit anybody with a light tube. <laughs> I'm obsessed with light tubes. So, well, since I brought that out, what is your favorite piece in, in a death match that you like to use? Um, I really like... Um, Mousetraps, um, just because they are like, everyone knows like mousetraps are like, they're real, they hurt, you know? Um, so I I like using things like that, that you can use unconventionally. Um, I like carpet strips a lot because most people hate carpet strips. So I like using them since they are something that's often avoided. So, uh, I would rather use something that not necessarily everybody on the show, um, is going to be using, you know? Right, right. Mark says, need the By God UK tour when the world opens up. Trust me, man. Uh, I need that, too. That is uh, one thing that me and John have definitely uh, definitely talked about a lot is making sure that we um, we are everywhere, you know, that we are all over the uh, all over the map whenever this stuff gets back to normal. Yes, please go back to normal world. Do your part of what we need to do so we can go back to normal and that we can I can continue going back to my weekly wrestling events and go see everybody and have uh, you guys throw Akira into me. And uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's what I live for and all that fun stuff and ripping signs and, and all that fun. Um, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> love it um so i'm excited again for icw this weekend you can tell everybody where they could find you what else is coming up for you anything out there about you um the uh my pretty much my main central point for merch is uh deathmatch worldwide right now i've got a uh, 
a singles page and we have a rejects page both through deathmatch worldwide um some shirt designs on there that i've never actually printed up physically in person so those are online available there uh only there for the moment um as well as some old designs that i'm bringing back it's really a, a good central hub you know for merch um and then as well me and john always um, are doing different runs of shirts that we'll have with us or sell online too, not just through the store. So um, as far as merch, you know, you can always hit us up, DM us, tweet at us, um, you know, until you, until you hear from us and we'll definitely get you something. Um, Social media, I'm the Reed Bentley on pretty much everything. So if you don't already follow me, definitely give me a follow. Um, I will not guarantee that I'll say anything interesting or anything at all. Sometimes I don't post for weeks or months at a time, but um, it makes me feel very important to see that I have a higher number of followers than other people. So please stroke my ego and uh, give me a follow. Give some love, buy some merch, do all that fun stuff, <laughs> support independent wrestling, as we always say here. So, um, so guys, that's going to wrap up this episode of Under the Robes. I'm your host as always, the VP Giggles, the Heartbreak Chick, <laughs> the Queen of the Indies, Tiffany. Thank you again so much, Reed Bentley. I mean, kick some booty on this weekend. <laughs> I expect uh, to hear what you got to say uh, on, on Friday when you win all your matches and all that fun stuff. So Most definitely. <laughs> so, But anyway, guys, stay safe and support independent wrestling. We'll talk to you soon. Oh